honored guests. Thank you for coming to this assembly. If you'll please take a seat, our meeting will start presently. Gentlemen, you have the floor. Ryan, question for you. What's up, Daniel? Yeah, if you were a superhero, what would your superpower be? Hmm. There's a lot of good ones to choose from. Uh, I love this question because, um, you know, I do stuff with, well, we both do things with like camps, like kid camp, uh, teen camp stuff. This yeah. is such an easy icebreaker question. So um, but 90% of the time, you're going to get kids say to, to say flying. Yeah. It's it's like come on, are you like you could pick anything and you pick flying? Now flying is cool. Yeah, sure. The ability to do it, I wouldn't turn them down. No, no, but if but if that was my only option, sure, I'll take that. But I mean, like like even super strength, I think is cooler than that. Um, and that's that's like the like the milk toast version of a superpower. Um, my superpower that I would have is I've actually thought about this one in depth because of the camps and stuff. It's given me a lot of time to formulate my ideas. Um, yeah. my superpower would be shape shifting. Um, but you have to specify cause there's like, the, like shape shift into animals or like people or like what, what, it, what are we looking at here? Um, yeah. my, uh, my idea of like, like a shape shifter is that like I can turn into anything organic right like i could turn into a bird or like you know uh, okay. make myself look like another person or just like have uh, something organic uh you know i could turn i could turn into a tree if i needed to or something like that yeah. for some reason um but that superpower is awesome because one it provides for a good story because it's not overpowered because overpowered superheroes are stupid i hate superman he's dumb uh, and anybody like him who is super we'll, overpowered, we'll, talk. we'll it's, talk about this. It's so <laughs> stupid. Uh, so like it provides for a good story because there's a, there's weaknesses there. But also it, it, the second one is there are so many other superpowers, quote unquote, that come with it. Like if I turn into a fish, I can now breathe underwater. If I want to fly, I can turn into a do an eagle. You know, mm -hmm. uh, there, there's so many cool things that you can do. You can turn into a cheetah, run 70-something-odd miles an hour. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do. Um, yeah. And you could, like, turn into an into one of those animals that that would survive in the deepest parts of the ocean so you could explore down there. Like, there's it's it's unending, the number of things that you could do. Sure. That is, that is very oddly similar to the answer I always go with. Really? But I, I think mine drifts into what you would call, like, the overpowered range. Uh oh! Okay. Oh no! <laughs> My answer, since like I was a teenager, um, has been um, to be able to control atoms. Mm. Um, with the thought being, you could use that to, if you wanted to, like alter your appearance or shape shift or something. You could just rearrange your or cause a nuclear explosion. Well, that's where it gets a little overpowered. Um, <laughs> But yeah, basically, if you could change like the the composition, the density, um, 
of, of atoms, because you could also just make yourself light enough where you could fly, or you could make like your arm super heavy so that when like you punched someone, it was like, you know, getting hit by a ton of bricks or something. Mm. Um, so that's kind of always what I've, I've thought. Um, it's a little overpowered. I will agree um, <laughs> with that. Cause yeah, you could just make nuclear explosions happen. Just and, all around and, you. And then, and, and then you can like protect yourself or whatever. I don't even know the semantics of what would, what all that superpower would bring with it. Yeah. There was a part period of time in high school where I was trying to write a comic book about a character who could control atoms. Really? Um, but it didn't, uh, didn't get very far. Did the um, character I, have a name? Uh, no, I got about three pages in. Mm. So, uh, Solid. Nice yeah, backstory. It was, it was quality. Um, <laughs> the opening page, though, I had it all scripted out. It was a, it was a banger, but it was the opening page. Oh, um, man. If I had to pick like a, a quote-unquote traditional superpower, I would say super speed. Like if I could that run one's like cool. flash, that would be awesome because it would also allow me to get more stuff done. Yeah, right. Do a lot of stuff all simultaneously my favorite thing this is a little off topic one of my favorite things is um talking about superpowers but having another person give a stipulation on on on, like when or where you could use it but Mm -hmm. uh purposefully making it bad so uh, there was there's one example uh i have a couple but to save time um there was one example in particular that made me laugh uh somebody said i want to be able to jump as high as i want to and so like that's that my superpower is just like I jump as high as I want to. And then the other person said, "Okay, the stipulation is you can only do it indoors." <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was the funniest thing. Um uh, there's several others, but uh you know, we, we I don't that's awesome. uh, we don't have that much time to talk about it, but right. So, cool. welcome to the assemblyman where it's okay to ask for directions. Here in the assembly, our purpose is personal development. Each week, our goal is to highlight one virtue of outstanding individuals for us to cultivate in our own lives. And Ryan, what is this week's theme? Today's theme. Yeah, so this week we have a uh, one of my favorite themes so far, because it's not a word we use in the common vernacular of our uh, American... Well, I uh, dropped the word vernacular. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> It's not common in our everyday American lingo. How about that? Um, today we are talking about the theme of camaraderie. Yeah. And what do you think of when you when I say the word camaraderie? Well, I think it's. I, I think the first thing I think is it's not a word I use in my everyday um, language. Right. Language. Yeah. Um, you know, I couldn't even remember how to spell it. Yeah. It's. It's a it's a journey when you're trying to spell it out. There's a lot of A's that just show up randomly. Yeah. Um, no, so the first thing I think of um, is uh, the Soviet Union. Oh no! <laughs> Not because of like the that I think that's a good um, version of camaraderie, but the word comrade um, is derived from like the same right. word. Um, and that's a common, you know, word in the Soviet Union. Or I hope you know when I edit this, I'm going to put the uh, the national anthem right under this yes. as you're talking. Yeah, just for just perfect. for the memes. Um, Mother, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's so good. Dan um, can never run for public office again. Shucks. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the first thing I think of just because of the root word. But um, yeah. other, otherwise, I think of, um, and we kind of talked about this when we were trying to figure out what we were going to talk about. Um, I think of like war movies. Um, yeah. Like things like Saving Private Ryan or um, Band of Brothers, um, some stuff like that where it's just like, here's some brothers in arms, you know, soldiers who are just kind of in a situation together and they're just, um, they're getting along um, with each other and, and trying to support each other as best they can. Yeah. Now, what about you? Well, uh, to be honest, I mean, clearly because I, I love this story, I think of Lord of the Rings clearly, but like that goes without saying. Right. Um, Any theme we've covered on this podcast. Yeah, for sure. Like it always goes back to that because that is for sure my favorite story of all time um but if we're talking about camaraderie uh i'll i don't know i think of like a pub i guess like the feel mm. you get with like uh, friends that go to a pub um just like the the old buddies like um uh, i i bring up family members a lot actually but like my dad had this group of people that he would go up to uh upper michigan with um mm -hmm. he went to college with and um it was like once a year or something like they hung out um but they stuck together and and uh you know they did that every year it was a tradition and it was it, it was just kind of cool um and so thinking about the the group of friends that you know you may drift apart but you always find ways to come back together because it's yeah. it's it's a closeness it's like a family sort of a feel even mm -hmm. um and you kind of get that feel from like you know movies or stories or, or or people you know that might go to the pub or something like that yeah for sure that makes total sense uh so as a as an example of of our theme of camaraderie, uh, we have someone to bring forth uh, to sh to introduce to you that most of you will probably know. Uh, but it's not just this individual we're going to be talking about; it's the entire story in which they're a part of. Uh, and that story that we are going to be talking about is, in fact, Toy Story. So Ooh. let's take a look at this guy. at this guy this week's segment of look at this guy we are going to take an in-depth look at sheriff woody yeah toy story finally oh man we're getting into the good stuff now that's right we've had seven episodes to prep for finally covering a good character jump aboard the feels train people <laughs> because we're talking about sheriff woody yeah and specifically sheriff woody from toy story 3 that's kind of the movie mm -hmm. we, we looked at um, as the kind of the best example. Of... To get to that point, though, yeah. I uh, I do want to highlight some things from the first two movies um, sure. that kind of build his character uh, to why we we see a uh, kind of the, a, a very large theme of camaraderie from from Toy Story three. Um, if you're if you start with episode or episode wow if you start with Toy Story one, which you probably should if you haven't seen them. Um, you you see that Woody Sheriff Woody is um he is the toy of this guy uh, this kid named Andy and he's Andy's favorite toy. He gets the nice spot on the bed. He's the he's the one that Andy always always plays with. He's the cool dude, right? But he's also the leader of the toys that are a part of Andy's toy room. Um, but not in a way that he's like mean or he's putting other people down. Like people people actually respect Woody. And um, part of the reason uh, his character is so likable is that at the very beginning of the movie, when they're introducing the characters, they really set him up as somebody who cares about everybody else who's in the room. 
Um, so, so like uh, Slinky, uh, a character who he's a Slinky dog is is uh, that's his whole thing. Um, it shows that um, Woody takes time to play checkers with Slinky. Um, he it, like etch a sketch when it when it is walking away. He he has this whole like you know inside joke thing where it would go draw and then the etch a sketch would draw a gun and he would like draw his like gun because he's a uh-huh. sheriff and um you know and so it it sets up like he has relationships with the other toys that are in the room and they actually like him they respect him and they they uh, look up to him for uh, support when it's Andy's birthday and they think that oh some of the toys are going to get replaced and and Woody is re- reassuring them saying uh no you're not going to be replaced uh it's all going to be fine don't worry about it and uh he even like sends the army men on a special mission to go kind of spy out what's going on to reassure everybody that you know what it's going to be fine um so that and that's uh Toy Story 1 and you see kind of the the character arc where uh Woody has to deal with the, the ideas of jealousy and then kind of redeeming the situation and bringing everybody back together. So that, right. uh, and then in, and then movie two, even at the very beginning of this movie, uh, Woody sets out on a rescue mission to save one of the toys who had been taken to a yard sale that, uh, was considered by the humans to be like broken and, um, mm-hmm. unusable, but he was wheezy was the name of this one, a squeaker, a squeaker penguin. Um, he he says uh, basically no he's not and I'm gonna go save him because he's a part of this group and so he sets out on a lone man journey and, and goes down he ends up getting himself captured but he saves Wheezy in the process um, showing right. that like he cares about all of the toys to the point where he is able to he he is willing to give up of himself mm-hmm. um, to the fullest measure anyway so those are some some of the things that set him up as a character who cares very deeply for the other toys he's around for. Toy Story 3. So um, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So then in Toy Story 3, kind of the central conflict is Andy's going to go off to college. Mm-hmm. And the toys are kind of concerned, like, what's going to happen to us? Is he going to throw us away? Is he going to put us in the attic? Is he going to take us with him? And and there is a, you get this sense that it's kind of the end of their world, basically. Yeah. Because, you know, they they talk about how some of the toys like over the years have been given away and it's down to really just the core group of like buzz and woody and jesse and bullseye and the potato heads and slinky and rex and and ham Um, yeah and that's it like there's nobody else left and even Um, even woody's love interest bo peep she has she went missing uh nobody really knows how uh they don't explain it but like even she's gone so there is a sense of loss in that too yeah and so it's it's kind of this bittersweet like sad um thing of like we've got to but the thing that is uniting them is well we're going to be together like yes. we're going to make plans like even if we're stuck in the attic like that's not so bad we'll have each other mm-hmm. um and then andy decides um he is going to take just woody with him to college um and all of the other toys he's going to leave in the attic and the other toys think he's throwing them away and there's some miscommunication and, and stuff mm-hmm. um but woody again kind of reverts like he was in the first movie he's andy's favorite toy yeah um but when he sees that um, the, the, the other toys are being thrown away by mistake, he goes on another rescue mission mm. um, to leave the, the safety of the room and go outside and like save, tries to save them from the, the garbage truck. Um, and they end up then being taken to a, um, uh, a daycare. Yes. Sunnyside, I believe. Sunnyside, which is 
there's so many reasons Sunnyside daycare is so great. It's <laughs> basically a prison, but it's a Sunnyside daycare. Like it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and the whole time they're there, all the other toys are thinking, well, maybe this will be for the best, like, because Andy's never going to play with us again. And Woody's kind of trying to convince them, no, we should go back. Um, and ultimately he decides, well, I'm going to leave. I'm just going to go back mm-hmm. for Andy. Um, and he doesn't make it back to Andy's. He ends up with at a, a little girl's house um, with some of her toys. And then when he finds out that uh, Sunnyside, the daycare is not as nice and sunny as they all thought it was. Mm-hmm. It's basically a corrupt prison run by a bear called Lotso Huggin, um, which is a great villain name. Also. Oh, he's so good. Um, Woody once again demonstrates this camaraderie because his first thought is, I got to go save my friends. Yeah. Like he could have a totally happy life, make it back to Andy's, go with him to college, you know, and, and, and be with Andy. But he says, no, I've got to go save my friends. Or he could stay in the situation he was in that little girl's room with all the other toys and just build a new life. Yeah. Yeah. He's got so many options, but the option he chooses is I've got to go be with my friends because we're in this together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they end up breaking out. And Well, let's talk about that for a minute because the, the theme yeah. is camaraderie. So um, the whole breaking out scene it involves the strengths and weaknesses of the other characters. Like they all needed each other in certain aspects of the breakout in order to get there. Like my favorite scene from the movie where Mr. Potato Head shoves all of his parts into a tortilla shell and he's like flopping all over the place, but he's able to like get to the sandbox area, which is absolutely hysterical. So good. It's so funny. Like him versus the pigeon. (laughs) That whole scene is hilarious. And then they're using like Slinky's spring to like launch themselves up into the ceiling so mm-hmm. that they can go take out the the watch monkey yeah um, and and then they've got to use uh they use the natural antagonism between ham and the other characters to mm-hmm. make, trick buzz into thinking that they're fighting so that they can because buzz has been turned into his demo mode yeah that, that's a whole thing you got to watch the movie it's great it's, it's so good but yeah, it really does play to all of their strengths, which is what makes Woody such a good leader and makes them such a, a good team is because they all understand how they can help each other. Right. And how they contribute to the overall success of their group. Which, and that's why Woody is the look at this guy uh, focus of this is because as the leader, he is able to devise the plan that uh, allows them to do this um, mm-hmm. because he recognizes it because of his relationship with the other characters. Uh, he recognizes what those strengths and weaknesses are and is able then to devise this plan um, accordingly. Yeah. And then obviously the part at the end of the movie that like spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it um, is one of like the saddest animated movie like mm-hmm. moments um, where it looks like all the toys are going to get burned up in the, the, um, in the junkyard yeah um in the garbage incinerator and like they're still sticking with each other they all yeah they all start holding hands and start like and they just it's slowly taking them into the incinerator and they're like there's no way out Mm -hmm. um (laughs) which is also a very funny part of the movie uh after (laughs) the fact right um but let's uh, actually let's back up a few scenes and talk about why they're in that situation in the first place Mm -hmm. um Woody is in a position him uh, Woody and Buzz are are in a position where um they can stop this conveyor 
that is taking all of the toys into the the incinerator but the way that they have to do this is is they have to um boost Lotso who has been who has followed them up to a spot where he can turn the conveyor off mm-hmm. um and uh I I wrote down here just in part of my notes that uh, like even wanting to see Lotso redeemed uh and saving him from the incinerator from the dump it shows like Woody's like it's a good nature uh, of Woody that is like you know what I want everybody to live in like a, a kind of a sense of harmony um right. in this in this idea of camaraderie and I want to see people redeemed it's like Lotso he learned of Lotso's backstory and he knew that like he's a tragic character and all this stuff uh but like he wanted you know is he kind of was forced to but it's like I I want to give this guy a chance um well, he doesn't he have to be this way but right before that he was not forced to save him in the first place that's true that's true like, that the, they the actually had or yeah they didn't have to save him in the first yeah, place Lasso's stuck under like a, a bag of golf clubs and is going to get ground up and so buzz and woody like go and like get it off of him and save his life basically yes. yeah and then lots of betrays them almost immediately mm-hmm. but you know even at that point he is the enemy of the movie like Lotso. Mm-hmm. Um, and has you know been openly trying to hurt them and 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 ruin them, and they still forgive him yeah. and like save his life, um, because yeah, the, the hope is that he will be redeemed and he can become part of the team too. Yeah, he can join in that camaraderie. Which which we see after is it Ken takes over Sunnyside yeah. daycare. It's the best. Yeah. Ken, Ken is one of my favorite characters in that movie. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, yeah, if you have not seen Toy Story three, it's so good. It's so good. But yeah, so so Sheriff Woody, kind of in summary, Sheriff Woody is a great example of camaraderie. At least him as a leader of this group of toys, uh, because of his um, his desire to to have good relationships with those who are around him, to get to know all of them, um, to understand what their strengths and weaknesses are and how um, they can benefit each other and kind of this symbiotic uh, brotherhood, sisterhood, all that, all that kind of stuff, you know? And, uh, and he's the one who heads that up, which is why he's a great example of it. Yeah, absolutely. And now a brief recess. Dad Joe Corner. Hey Ryan, I got hit in the head with a can of soda yesterday. Oh dear. Luckily it was a soft drink. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, well, had a serious situation the other day actually. Uh, I had to ca- I called the doctor uh, and I said, hey, my wife's going into labor. What do I do? And the response on the other end said, is this her first child? And I said, no, this is her husband. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, come on. Clearly. Uh, this segment. This has been Dad Joke Corner. Preparing you for the future. All right, so... We're going to dive right into our next segment, which, as uh, faithful listeners of the podcast would know, is either, uh, it's one of two, it's either Guidance Counselors, which is not this weekend, or Here's Why You're Wrong. 
Here's why you're wrong. On the segment, Here's Why You're Wrong, we take a quote that we find from somewhere. Doesn't matter where. It could be a book, newspaper, Twitter, whatever, or just common, common phrases. Um, and we go through them and talk about what we don't agree with um, and why. This week, I have uh, a quote to bring to your attention. Um, as per usual, I, I don't want to reveal the uh, the source of this quote just to protect the guilty. And uh, <laughs> But this quote goes like this. People will help each other because there is a sense of camaraderie that springs up, which is a survival tactic. You help them because you know you might later need their help. And that is incredibly reassuring. Hmm. So let me start out and and say uh, kind of my thinking when I first read this quote. And I, 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 uh, I wrote out kind of a response to this as to what I was feeling, thinking, all that jazz. And um, I, I would say uh, relegating camaraderie to only a survival tactic, uh, it severely delegitimizes the possibility of genuine self-sacrifice um and it surreptitiously implies that it's not of a spiritual nature okay so like um the idea that camaraderie is just a survival tactic it 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 kind of twists it on its head and subtly says like well camaraderie is actually a selfish thing like the the reason that we do it is only because um we know that we can get something out of it mm -hmm. And there's plenty of stories out there that would challenge that idea. Like, um, I was just watching the other day. I wish I could remember the names of, or the name of this father, but there is a, there's a guy out there who, um, he does these triathlons with his son who is, um, like he's handicapped to the point where like he can't, he, he can't speak. He can only speak through like the computerized thing. Um, he can't, he can't really move well. Um, and, and he, like his, his father, when he's doing that swim thing, like he's pulling his son in one, in a blow up boat. Uh, he, when he does the biking, he has a specialized seat for him. I wish I could remember the name of this guy. If I, um, I will find it and I will put it in the description of the, of this video slash, uh, audio file. Um, so if you're interested, um, go check the description and it's like, he doesn't, he doesn't get anything out of that you know the, fa the father uh, like there's nothing meant uh, like mentally or physically uh, his son is incapable of reciprocating any anything that he does you know um and like the idea of altruism like throwing yourself on a grenade or like um doing something that you know would result in your own death it doesn't like what about that yeah well I, and i i think you, you're pointing out something very subtle about this that I didn't notice until you, uh, until I was listening to you talk. Um, like, obviously, we're we're probably all familiar with the golden rule, right? Like, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Mm -hmm. um, and there is an element of camaraderie where, yeah, I want to not only do I enjoy these people and and that, but like I want to treat them well because I would want to be treated well if I was in their position. Mm -hmm. um, but there is a difference between following the golden rule and saying that, well, if they don't treat me well, it was, it was a waste. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. I, yeah, would, exactly. I would want to be treated well versus they are going to treat me well in the future. Right. Um, which is kind of the, the perspective that the quote is taking is it's a survival tactic. Like, I might need their help later, um, as opposed to, no, I should treat them well because if, I w- if the roles were reversed, I would want them to treat me well. And if in the future the roles are re- reversed, I hope they treat me well. But, but that's you can't not guarantee why that. I'm doing this. Yeah, I'm not right. guaranteeing that that dynamic is going to be switched. Right. And, yeah, I think I, and yeah. here's the thing, like true camaraderie, true friendship can overcome if somebody doesn't reciprocate. You know, like, mm-hmm. sure, there is that initial, there's an initial period probably where it has to like, you like being around the other person, they like being around you, you, you know, you give and take there, there, I'm not discounting the fact that like, maybe some of this does come from a survival tactic. And I like it when people treat me kindly, and I do it, um, you know, some sometimes I do it because they're doing it to me like it's just you know that happens um I'm not discounting those ideas what I'm saying is that that's not all there is right and so and so like uh, that's why I said to to relegate it only to a survival tactic is the problem here Mm -hmm. that it's not that's not the only reason we do these things that there there um there actually is altruism there is a spiritual side to to life and uh and, and to camaraderie um by extension mm-hmm. and so uh like and i think about ideas like uh, what about helping strangers that you never see again like um the, the, some people that i that i know personally had their have like their groceries paid for by somebody in line they're like oh hey you know like let me pay for that it's like that, that all that does is take away from the financial standing of that person they didn't know them like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no there's nothing there but like there, there's just this like there's just this kindness that uh that, that just kind of overflows for for seemingly no reason if we're talking survival tactics um like there's something more to it yeah absolutely and and again when when, when we start dealing with like camaraderie specifically um you know sometimes there's, there is that element of you know some of the other the words that come up when you look up camaraderie are like fellowship and community and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff which implies there is a closer connection than um someone just on the street right don't know but in either case it flows from this same desire that my needs are not the most important right right that like whether that is the community i'm part of or the needs of just one specific individual i'm going to give preference to the needs of others like sheriff woody deciding to go back and rescue his friends right um rather than just doing what would make him happy and content yeah um it's Sometimes it, requ- it sometimes true camaraderie requires um, the willingness to be disenfranchised for the benefit of those around you. Mm. It like you're you cannot it, it, to, you cannot live selfishly and have true fellowship and to have true camaraderie. You you yeah. can't do it. Um, just to have relationships, good relationships in general you can't live selfishly <laughs> and do that, you know? Because always there's something that you have to sacrifice if you're going to be in a relationship where that that involves some sort of like love, whether it be brotherly love or, or marriage or, or whatever, um, because there are other needs involved. It's like, you're not me, so obviously you require something different. So there's some sort of sacrifice that happens there. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, you know, all of these things 
put together is why I had I had a problem with this quote that it was it was way too limiting in the ideas behind it and that camaraderie is a is fantastic we need it we've talked multiple times about how we need each other especially if we want to change and we want to become better people right. like um you and toy story I, I mean it's a kids movie it's a it's a uh, you know it's animated whatever but like mm-hmm. Honestly, if you watch through one, two, and three, and they uh, they just come out with a four, you know, last year or whatever. Yeah. If uh, if you watch through those, you see the character arcs and you sh- see the changes in relationships and and watch uh, the them them grow and you you come to love these characters and almost feel like a part of the group. Um, that's why so many people were moved by Toy Story three is because this these were characters they grew up with. Um, that they that they came to love, and then all of a sudden now it's a change. Like you were saying, it's like an end of the end of their world as it was, and all they had was each other. And it, it's like Andy's going off to college. Um, you know, there's a there's a breaking of that, and so and so there is something there's sentimental something about that, and we feel that deep because it's like it's not just all about me. Um, and and maybe you relate that to like. Uh, you know, having a friend move away or losing a loved one or, or, or something along those lines is because it's like, I'm not, I'm missing something now because there was something that they offered. I offered them and there's a, there's something spiritual, uh, deep, deeply spiritual about that. But, um, it's not just about survival. It's, 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 that seems cold and, uh, and harsh almost, you know? Yeah, for sure. So now to, to lighten things up a bit uh, here, Ryan, um, let's, uh, let's have some friendly competition, uh, some, some camaraderie, uh, <laughs> if you will, uh, in this week's debate from the Annals of History. Debates from the Annals of History. Uh, so on this week's uh, competition, Fast and Furious competition, you will notice that once again, we are joined by a new guest uh, judge. So we have joining us today, uh, Stacy, uh, who is uh, so kind as to join us and to decide between Ryan and myself in this week's uh, debate from the annals of history. Uh, so Stacy, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, telling us, the audience, how you know us and why you're here. Sure. So I am Ryan's aunt, even though we grew up more like cousins, because <laughs> um, we're very close in age. Yep. Uh, I'm Ryan's aunt and um, no Dan through the church of which my husband is pastor. Um, but my particular qualifications to evaluate a debate um, are that I am a teacher. And so I have heard many debates, both fabulous and awful. And so I have a whole range of experience to fall back f- on. I have a feeling I know which one you're gonna hear today, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do, think, I do think having an actual teacher who has to deal with nonsense on a daily basis is going to hinder my ability to kind of <laughs> Just say whatever I want and then make it up. As Raises people. the stakes just a little bit because, uh, oh man, this one's rough. Well, if it makes a difference, like I've been out of the classroom with students for so long, like I kind of miss the nonsense. So, you know. Oh, you're there's a better. <laughs> Here we go. All right. So uh, this week's debate, hotly debated. Um, I think it's going to go down as, as one of the classics. Um, does a straw have two holes or just one classic ryan lead us off with your opinion clearly a straw has two holes clearly i mean there's no other option if you 
if you look at a straw, you know, if you look at it sideways, you got yourself a little rectangle, you know, uh, looking at it from the side. Um, on either side of that straw, it, they what we would call them holes, or at least I would, arguing this side. The reason I would call them that is because if if we're if we're taking this straw and looking at it like a like a uh, a math problem, like a, a math diagram. Bear with me. Don't make me that face. Get out of here. If we look at it like a math diagram, you can draw a plane through the end of the straw where the where that uh, hole is on either side. It's the the hole. It is breaking that plane. There is a there is a circumference in uh, in those two planes that it has now broken the plane, um, and so that missing portion of those two planes would they would be called holes and that okay, is why for a second. what's is up this, this plane is it bisecting the straw yes like in a right angle like a 90 mm -hmm. degree now, perpendicular to the straw so you're saying if you yes. cut a straw in half you would have two straws no i am not saying that at all okay i'm, I'm trying to visualize it i i can't yet Okay, okay, okay. Let me see. So, if uh, pretend this is a straw, it's a pen. But uh, okay, for it. those for those who are just listening, I'm holding up a pen here. Um, if I put my hand up to the clicker end right here, it, yep. it is perpendicular to the end of this uh, hypothetical straw, and so it is breaking the plane of the end of this straw. And where the hole on this side would be. Uh, I have to be careful because you're going to use my language against me. The hole on this side would be cut, uh, you know, a circumference would be cut right here. And so a part of the plane would now be missing. And, and that is a hole in the plane. And it would be broken on both sides. So there would be two holes. Okay. That's my argument. All right. At least one of them. Okay. Go ahead. That is one of Ryan's arguments. It's a I mathematical say, one. I will say, first of all, I think Ryan's answer makes sense if you're dealing with non-Euclidean geometry, because nothing about what he just said makes sense in the three-dimensional space that we live, um, or I don't understand it. Anyway, uh, clearly- I'm going to go with option two. Clearly a straw has one hole. Here is why. When you take a straw, and instead of holding it uh, the long way, like a rectangle, as Ryan said, if you hold it the way that it's like a circle, so like the way you use a straw, and you look at it, you see all the way through it because there's one hole. Because when you look through one end of the straw and you see out the other end of the straw because it's the same hole, it's one hole. If a straw had two holes, it wouldn't work as a straw because the, the vacuum that is created by using a straw sucks it up through the one hole and that, that's where the liquid goes. If you have a second hole in a straw, it's because there's like a hole in the side and then the straw doesn't work because it can't create a vacuum because there's another hole in the straw. There's one hole, it's a tube. It's it's a it's one big hole. That's all a straw is. All right, all right, hold up. The hole, a hole, is determined by breaking the plane. So if I go outside and I dig up that charcoal that we argued about that one time, <laughs> if I go out back and I dig a hole, there doesn't have to be a giant tube all the way through the earth to the other side. Like, I just, I break the plane, boom, there's a hole. If I were to then start from the other side of the earth and break the plane and somehow dig through to the point where those two holes meet, there are still two holes because the plane has been broken on both sides. It's, to, it's based on where the plane has been broken 
not how far it goes or, or or where that part ends. It's it's just based on the breaking of the plane. That's what a hole is. Wouldn't that be two planes? Yeah, at that point, so there'd be two holes. That's what I'm saying. So like well, the two two ends of the of the straw are are the like the planes the the perpendicular planes. So you break those two, and um, you have two holes now. The problem with that is that the object that is being broken is not two planes. It is one straw. And so if you have a, if you dig a hole in your backyard, um, that's a hole, but that hole has a, has a terminus point where it is, where it stops breaking the plane, it, where it, if you're imagining like a, a ball sitting or like a bowling ball on a bed sheet, right? Like if it, if it digs down, it, it bows the, the plane or if it breaks the plane, but there is a point at which it stops where the, the plane is, is not totally um, bisected. It is, it is just, you know, it has a, a dip in it, a, a hole or a divot or whatever you want to call it. Um, if you all of a sudden take something like the earth and you dig a hole from the bottom and then you are starting to dig another hole from the, you know, the other side of the world and you eventually connect those, that becomes one hole at the moment at which you can no longer distinguish between the two holes because there's no longer any earth or anything that is separating the two holes. It becomes one tunnel or one hole. And so with a straw, you don't have two planes that you are bisecting. You have um, one object where both ends are totally connected and there is no way of distinguishing where one hole stops and another hole would start and therefore they are one continuous hole. Even if they started out as two holes, they become one by the act of being connected and being indistinguishable. That works, I guess, when you look at the law, like the whole thing, but... It, I don't think that works practically because if I was on one side of the earth and I look and, and I'm like, oh, hey, there's a hole here. And then I walk all the way around. I would say, oh, there's a hole here. There's two holes. Like you jump in either end. There's still two holes to jump into. But if you jump in the hole, you come out the other end. It's the other it's the hole. hole. You No, you jump in one hole and you come out the other hole. No, you're changing the vocabulary. You don't come out the other end. You come out the other hole. Because it's about the plane that's been broken. I think the, you, you made a mistake when you said at the beginning of that last closing statement or whatever that last statement you made was. Um, that makes sense if you're talking about the whole straw which is what we are talking about. We are talking about the whole straw as, as a total whole. Whole, W-H-O-L-E. Uh, it is one object. There is no way to functionally distinguish between one, the hole on one end of the straw and another hole on the other end of the straw because they are connected. They are the same hole. They serve the same purpose. They are united and in indistinguishable. Okay, sure, uh, but... What I, I guess if I can, you know, talk a little bit back here, what I meant to say was the whole tunnel and then but you, ne you need both ends to be open and they both are holes for you to go through is what essentially what I meant. So I that is so, functionally different than the point you made. And I think we'll let the record state that. Okay. Well, let us state that, but I'm still right. I feel like I have some questions, but I don't know how to ask them because of just the absurdity. Okay. Perfect. Uh, we done our welcome, job well. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> right? I mean, I volunteered for this. Um, so full disclosure, like I started off sort of like saying like, oh yeah, it's hard to argue there's two holes. However, if you were to like, 
I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to imagine like a situation in which one end of the straw is covered. Would you say that like, is it still functional? Is it one hole or is it two in the sense that like, if you cover one end of it, it is one hole. But if you take that covering off of the other end, like, I wonder how that changes it. Because then Dan, you were saying, like, if something goes all the way through, it is one hole. But it doesn't, like, it can also not go through and still just be one hole. Like, I don't yeah. know. It, it's a really it's like it's the Trinity. It's like the Trinity. Yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Trinity. Just like it. First, he goes to relativism in our debates. Now he just goes to something you can't understand. You see what he does? I think, I think um, Ryan's most salient point. <laughs> was, <laughs> I like, tried. Idea was the idea that, like, let's just imagine it's a really, really long straw, the size of the earth. Like, let's take off the whole, like, spherical concept mm -hmm. and just keep it to a very, very, very long syndrome. Syn Cylinder. Cylinder. <laughs> Woo! It's past my bedtime. So, <laughs> colloquially, like you would say, I went in one hole. And if you came out the other side, you would say, oh, that's a different hole. Like that's another hole. And so like that's, that is a really interesting point to me. Because like you wouldn't say you came out the same hole. Right? Yeah, you I would. wouldn't. If it's I wouldn't. Straw, I would say I came out the same tunnel. I would not say I came out the same hole because that would be the one I came in. I would turn around. Right. Does a tunnel have two holes? That's the same. Th yeah. It's, a, it's like, it's like, it's like, it reminds me of. I poo. say it does. Stop getting stuck. <laughs> Pooh, you ruined it, it my doesn't. moves. I would say it would if we were dealing with something other than a straw. Because a straw does not have a plane that can have a hole in it. The whole thing is just one tube and there is no additional plane that is being bisected. Right, like a, a, a tunnel through a mountain that a train goes through. I could see the point, maybe, that you have two holes because you have a hole in one side of the mountain and a hole in the other. There is no mountain with a straw. It's all tunnel. It's all a hole. Is it possible that a straw has no holes? I mean, that would be, that would honestly, that was the point I was going to make um, if Ryan had chosen the other option. <laughs> you <laughs> slide dog. If you were to hold up a straw and say the straw has a hole, I would assume like it's gonna like spurt out the side as I try and consume exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Like. So what you're what you're saying here, Stacey, is that neither of us wins, and <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a straw I has mean, no holes. The question is flawed. Is is my is my ultimate conclusion is that the question is flawed. Mm. Um, That's a good judgment. On, based on the merits of just the argumentation, mm. which. Um, my, I was looking at new points, evidence, um, rebutting somebody else's and then refuting someone's rebuttal potentially. Mm. Um, I mean, in terms of point for point, like it was pretty even, um, but except for the fact that Ryan's initial point was basically, it has two holes because I say so. Yeah, and let's then, go. And then he went into like the whole plane situation, Euclidean, blah, I'm not a geometry teacher. Uh -huh. Um, so in terms of like uh, point for point, it was pretty even, but in terms of the strength of those points, I am gonna have to side with Daniel on this one. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> but Fine. the question itself is problematic. So that's my final judgment. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I will accept this and I will become a better person for it.
So I my, my aunt, my aunt I will, Thank I you. Will victory and become a worse person for it because it's inflating my ego. <laughs> well, I we, will say I will say your soap your soap argument was totally wrong. Yes. That, that Get out of here. Oh. I will die on that hill. <laughs> I will watch you do it in like, grimy, dirty gross fashion. Is, dirty soap is disgusting. It just makes me think of like uh, swim lessons in the communal showers. Like, no. You want that soap is on the ground, it's gone. Like, <laughs> nope, just throw it in the trash. It's over. <laughs> say that to Ryan's mom who brushes her teeth with charcoal. That was supposed to say secret. Nobody <laughs> needs to hear that because that is a huge point against me. Mom, why did you do this? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Stacey, thank you so much for being on this episode. And for uh, even even though your judgment really breaks my heart, uh, I I just I got to say uh, we really appreciate you. Quite all right. I'll, I'll look at straws in a whole new light now. <laughs> We've done our job. Well, we appreciate having Stacey on as our guest judge um, this week for our great debate. And uh, in the future, yeah, yeah, you appreciate her being on, don't you? Uh, <laughs> me, I don't know. I'm uh, feeling kind I, of uh, sad about it, what just I, happened. There's no need to be a sore loser, Ryan. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in addition to um, having Stacey on, in the future, we are looking for additional guest judges to help decide our great debates as well as all the other competitions that we have planned. So if you're interested in being featured on a future segment, Send us an email with the subject line guest judge, and we'll try to coordinate an appearance. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Assemblyman Podcast. Uh, you can find our episodes on YouTube, on Podbean, and SoundCloud. Uh, just search for the Assemblyman Podcast. If you have any feedback or topics you'd like to discuss or questions you'd like us to answer, uh, please email us at theassemblymanpodcast at gmail.com. That's theassemblymanpodcast at gmail.com. Or connect with our Facebook page at facebook.com slash theassemblymanpod. This one is facebook.com slash theassemblymanpod. We'd love to hear from you and continue the conversation. Also, if you like what you heard and believe in what we're doing, please leave us a rating or review in your podcast platform form of choice. And if you know anyone else who might enjoy listening, feel free to share us with a friend. That really helps us grow our audience and means we get to welcome even more awesome people into the assembly. Mm-hmm. So what did we learn today, Daniel? Um, well, I learned that Toy Story 3 is far better than I remember it being. Um, it's such a good movie. Um, and we also learned that I seem to really enjoy and do well when we have guest judges on the episodes to ah. vindicate my performance. <laughs> I feel like I'm bringing that kind of level of competition all the time. But when it's just left oh. to... The, the comments and the feedback we get, it seems like I turn into the villain. So I'm glad to have someone here to kind of take up my cause um, as the winner of this debate. I think I, I learned that maybe Dan is the villain because he wants to manipulate atoms and explode the world. <laughs> that's, my, that's what I learned today. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> that Daniel would be an overpowered supervillain. 
uh, and that we need to stop him at all costs. So join up with me and my opinions because they're better than Daniel's. That's what so I Ryan's, think. Ryan's trying to form camaraderie here. <laughs> if, if I can be, if I am the reason that a camaraderie is created, I think that's worth it. I think I've done my job. Oh man. Well, okay. I guess we'll see what happens. But until next time, we thank you so much for watching and or and, well listening slash watching depending on what platform you're on. Um, and until next time. Meeting adjourned.